Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Good morning, Grace Place family. So glad that you're uh, that you've hopped on. Whether you're watching from Facebook or YouTube, so glad that you are with us this morning. Pray that God speaks to you through this word. I believe that I have a now word. I believe that. Uh, what I'm going to talk about today, many, many people are dealing with this issue. They're grappling, they're wrestling through what I'm going to talk about today. So my prayer is that right where you're at, that God would use me and speak through me and it would go through the screen and this word, um, uh, this word covered by the Holy Spirit would minister to your hearts and minds this morning. Um, as we've talked about a lot throughout this series, as we've been going through the book of Philippians, the overarching theme is joy. And joy is a quality that every Christian can possess, but many don't possess. It's because their joy is it's being stolen from them. And the reason it's being stolen from them is because their, their, their joy is tied to the wrong source. Their, 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 um, their joy is hitched. To the wrong things, and so their joy is being stolen from them. And so uh, this is what we're going to look at in today's passage, and we're going to continue in Philippians. We're in Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to be going through verses 10 through 13. I meant to actually finish up this week. I wanted to go from 10 all the way to 23, but um, as, I, as I was reading through these three verses, that, that is the message that God gave me. And so I think we're going to finish up next week with the book of Philippians. So let's start with verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, or maybe the way you learned it, it is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what other translations say. And I want to home in on Philippians 4.13 for a moment. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That may be the most misused, taken out of context verse in the entire Bible. Christians love to abuse and misuse that verse right there. That verse is plastered on coffee cups, t-shirts, bumper stickers, church foyers, you name it, it's on there. Athletes put it on their eye black and on their shoes. Believers misuse this verse to pump themselves up about doing things God hasn't gifted them or equipped them to do. Athletes use this verse to pep themselves up before a big game, right? But in order to understand what Paul is saying here in context, we need to understand that when Paul says he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him, he doesn't mean all things. Hate to burst your bubble, but that's not what he meant. That's why my subtitle today is, I can't do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For example, even through Christ, I can't dunk a basketball. I wish I could. 
Uh, it would be amazing if I could have dunked a basketball. I probably would have went to college to play basketball if I could have dunked, but I can't dunk no matter what I do. I can touch the net, but I can't dunk the basketball. Even through Christ, I can't go up to New York Presbyterian and perform surgery on someone because I'll kill them. Okay? Even through Christ, no matter how much I wish or pray or believe or have faith, I can't sing like Bruno Mars. I have the voice that I have. I can improve it a little bit if I take voice lessons, but I can never sing like a professional. What was, what, so what was Paul talking about leading up to verse number 13 when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Well, he was talking about contentment in all circumstances. Contentment in all circumstances. Contentment is a word that we need to talk about, especially for us New Yorkers. We live in the city that never sleeps. Everyone comes to New York to achieve something. People come to New York to make a lot of money on Wall Street. People come to New York to, to make it in Broadway or make it in the music industry. or They come to New York to, to build their, their startup company. People are never satisfied because they need one more sale, one more zero in their bank account, one more real estate venture, or one more girlfriend. Okay, And so this word contentment is so important that we that we understand this word and that we allow uh, that we allow God to speak to us about contentment. Another reason people struggle with discontentment is because the wealth and goods of the world are spread so unevenly. According to the Pew Research Center, the richest families are also the only ones whose wealth increased in the years after the start of the Great Recession. From 2007 to 2016, the median net worth of the top 20% increased 13% to $1.2 million. For the top 5%, it increased by 4% to $4.8 million. In contrast, the median net worth of families in lower tiers of wealth decreased by at least 20%. Families in the second lowest fifth experienced a 39% loss from 32,100 in 2007 to 19,500 in 2016. According to World Vision, 11% of the world's population struggles with chronic hunger. 11% of the world's population is almost a billion people. Almost a billion people around the world struggle with chronic hunger where they don't have enough food to eat. When we look around and see the economic and food inequality, it might cause us to feel discontented because the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. But before we dive into what contentment is, let's first discuss what it's not. Contentment does not mean we settle for mediocre in life. Contentment does not mean we give the least amount of effort and say, well, I, I tried. That's not what contentment is. Contentment does not mean we don't hustle and work hard to put food on the table for our family. Contentment doesn't even mean that we don't pursue moving up in our company. Contentment has more to do with the why than the what. Contentment, simply put, is this. Not obsessing over what you don't have. Not obsessing over what you don't have. Being content means not allowing what someone else has 
to keep you from appreciating what you do have. Back in April, we, um, we bought a new vehicle. Our vehicle actually broke down on the way to Missouri from New York City. So the last, uh, so it, it, there was a huge leak in the uh, steering wheel tank. And so every time I would pour steering fluid in, um, it, it would just gush out. So it would last for a few minutes, and then it would gush out. So the last two hours of our trip, um, you know, my, my car, the steering wheel wouldn't move. And so thank God it was mostly highway, so I didn't have to turn much. But anyways, when we got to Missouri, we ended up uh, buying a, a van, a Dodge Caravan. And it's really nice. It's clean. It's got uh, pretty low mileage, much nicer than the 05 uh, uh, Hyundai Santa Fe that I had before that. And um, right after we bought our van, my parents bought a new van. And although my van is very nice, their van has all the bells and whistles. And so I, I saw their van that they bought. I was like, wow, that's nice. And then I got inside and I, I started looking around. And man, this car, it has two TV screens in it. It can park itself. It, it's got a lot of amenities. And <laughs> once I got inside the vehicle and checked it out, I started thinking, man, my vehicle is not as great as I initially thought it was. I was like, Man, compared to this, my van's okay. You know, that that's how discontentment works. We see something someone else has, and we start thinking what I have isn't good enough. Being content means not allowing what others have to keep you from appreciating what you do have. In order to walk in contentment, we must refuse to compare our lives with someone else's life. Okay, that's very important. Being content means working what God has given you instead of wishing you, wishing that God had given you something else. Being content means I can have joy even when I'm in prison as Paul was, as he was penning these words, the letter of, of Philippians. I really like how Rich Velotis, pastor of New Life Church in Queens, defines contentment. He says this, living, or he says contentment is, Living free from the lie that having more of something makes you something more. Now that we've laid a foundation for contentment, I want to look at four thoughts on contentment from this passage. So the first thought I want to talk about is, is this. To be content, we must be grateful. We must be grateful. Verse 10 says this, uh, Paul talking, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. The Philippian church sent an offering to Paul while he was in prison, and so here Paul expresses gratitude for the care and concern of the Philippians that they had for him. When we busy ourselves with gratefulness, it's less easy to be unsatisfied with what we have. Even though Paul was in prison while being innocent, by the way, he found a way to be grateful for the concern and financial gift the Philippians sent to him through Epaphroditus. He rejoiced in the Lord because of the fruit the Philippians were bearing via their relationship with Paul. He rejoiced at their generosity and their genuine concern, uh, marks of, of spiritual growth. We need to count our blessings, church. There might be some circumstances that we don't like that we find ourselves in right now. But there are so many things that we can be grateful for. Number one, if you're saved today, it's only by the grace of God. And, 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 and if you've had your sins forgiven and wiped clean, 
man, that's enough to be grateful for for the rest of our lives if none of our circumstances change at all. And that's the truth. The second thought on contentment that I want to talk about this morning is this. Contentment is learned. Contentment is learned. Verse 11 says this, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. That word learned that Paul uses means learned from experience. Paul learned contentment from the experiences that he had in life. Meaning, contentment did not come natural or automatic for Paul. From what we know about Paul, he was a high-achieving person. In order to be a Pharisee, you had to study a lot, you had to memorize large portions of Scripture. You had to be a high-achiever in academics in order to be a Pharisee. In fact, Paul, we're told, studied under a renowned rabbi named Gamaliel. So contentment was definitely not Paul's default. Yet, he says he learned to be content in whatever circumstances he found himself in. Whether he had a lot or he had not a lot, he he learned to be content. God shaped and formed him through his experiences. Let's move on to, to verse 12. He says He goes on to say this, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I also like how the, the NLT uh, version puts this verse. It says this, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. How do you know whether you have learned to be content or not? Let let me ask you a few questions. How much time do you spend comparing your life with others? How much time do you spend complaining about the things you don't have? And how much time do you spend criticizing the things that you do have? The answer to these questions will be whether you have learned to be content or not. Learning to be content means resisting, believing the illusion that when fill-in-the-blank happens, then I will be happy. When I get this promotion in my company, then I will be happy. When when I get married, then I will be happy. When I have kids, then I will be happy. When I get this person out of my life, then I will be happy. Think about this. Discontentment made Adam and Eve feel like the Garden of Eden wasn't enough. And they had everything in the Garden of Eden for crying out loud. They had unbroken fellowship with God and and discontentment caused them to feel like the, the Garden of Eden wasn't even enough. Paul says, I have learned to be content in whatever, that's the key word, the circumstances I'm in. Paul's whatever brought him to a lot of unpleasant circumstances as well as circumstances in which he had plenty. Both can be reasons for discontentment. We assume that people who are well-off are content, but they can be the most discontented people in the world. 
Because with power, wealth, or influence comes the temptation toward pride, greed, and envy where nothing is enough. You just want more. Because here's the truth. Unless you're Jeff Bezos, right? The, the CEO, founder of Amazon. No matter what level of wealth you get to, there will always be someone wealthier than you. No matter how much influence you have, you can always find someone who has a leadership quality that you don't. Discontentment is tied to envy and jealousy. Tim Keller defines envy as this, wanting someone else's life. It's to feel not just that they don't deserve their good life, but that you do and God hasn't been fair. The source of our joy must be deeper than what money can buy you or what relationships can get you or what power can do for you or how attention can make you feel. Our joy, the source of our joy must be deeper than all of those things. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Paul's contentment came from an unseen hidden reservoir of Christ inside of him. Contentment comes from within, not from the outside. Paul was content because he was deeply rooted in Christ. If we want to walk in contentment in this life, and I, and I think we all want to and, and need to, we must allow our roots to grow down deep in Christ the way the great trees send their roots deep down into the ground to draw out water and minerals. Redwood trees are the tallest trees in the world and can be found in, in, in Northern California. They can get over 300 feet tall. In fact, the tallest tree in the world is called Hyperion, and I have a picture, well, I have, I have a picture uh, of, of redwood trees. I couldn't quite find the Hyperion. I, I found something that they said it was the Hyperion, then people were saying that it, that was a fake picture. But anyways, uh, the tallest tree in the world is called Hyperion, and it is over 379 feet tall. Crazy. Over, almost four football fields stacked on top of one another. But the secret to these trees' massive height is found beneath the surface and inside of the tree. Okay, There is a constant upward flow of water from the roots that, that go down into the ground and, 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 and suck up the water. Uh, and so there's an upward flow of water from the roots all the way from inside the tree all the way up to the top of the tree. The upward flow of water is in direct relation to how tall the tree will grow. When the upward flow isn't strong enough to flow upward anymore, that's when the tree stops growing. In the same way, when the upward flow of the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the life of Christ stops flowing, so does contentment and spiritual growth. Listen to what Jesus said to the woman at the well in John chapter Four, verses 13 and 14. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Contentment comes from the unseen hidden parts of our lives. 
the third thought of, of contentment that I want to talk about is this. Contentment is Christ's sufficiency. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Many other philosophers of Paul's day spoke about contentment. But they spoke of contentment from a self-sufficiency angle. Like, rid yourself of all desire. Or find the resources in yourself in order to be content. But Paul has a different take and a different view on it. He says he can do all of these things. He can be content regardless of the circumstances because it is Christ strengthening him to be content in every and any circumstance. That was the secret to learning contentment in any circumstance for Paul. It was knowing that Christ was his strength and that he was not trying to live this way in and of his own strength and willpower and knowledge. Contentment boils down to believing whether Christ is enough or not. That's what contentment boils down. Is Christ enough or not? Do you need something else, or do you think you need something else in order to be happy, or is Christ enough in your life? Today, if you're struggling with discontentment, and you're unhappy because what you have is not enough, I want you to know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If you're comparing your life with someone else's life and it's causing you to be discouraged today, I want you to know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If you're struggling with envy because deep down you want someone else's life because you feel like you've put in your dues, you've put in the dues and you deserve a good life, I want you to know that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can walk in contentment today. I believe it. It's the Word of God, and I believe no matter what you're going through today, no matter what you're struggling with today, I want you to know you can have contentment because God wants that for you. It's the will of God for you to be content in all circumstances. And then my fourth and final thought on contentment is this. Contentment is not connected to our circumstances. Did you hear that? The truth is contentment is not connected to our circumstances. Not the contentment that God wants to give us. Not the contentment that you find in the scriptures. Not the contentment that Paul is writing about. That's not found, it's not connected to circumstances because if it was, Paul wouldn't be content. He had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten. He had, he, he, he had been poor. He had had plenty. He had been in prison. Yet he learned to be content because it's not based on our circumstances. I want you to listen to this poem. It was amazingly written by a 14-year-old in 1989 named Jason Lehman. And maybe you can identify with this poem. And it's called Present Tense. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted. The warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted. The freedom and respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted. To be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted. The youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted. The presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, and I never got what I wanted. 
Some people live their lives like this, never happy. They live their lives never getting what they wanted because every season, every stage of life they're in, they always look to something else. They always thought about something better. They always thought the grass was greener on the other side. Is that you today? Whatever season you're in, you're never content. Whatever stage of life, never content. Whatever job you have, never content. Whatever your personality is, never content. Whatever your social media following is, never content. Whenever your life is over, over, I hope and pray that you don't say the words that we found at the end of this poem. The end of my life, I never got what I wanted. Do you struggle with FOMO? Fear of missing out anybody out there that you struggle with FOMO? Maybe you're never present with the people closest to you because you're always thinking about what you might be missing out somewhere else. Have you ever been somewhere like at a conference or, or a networking social and you're talking to somebody and you're having a conversation but they're not really talking back? It's because you're talking to them and they're going, uh-huh, 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 but they're looking around the room and they're trying to scope out the room to see if there's someone more important that they can go talk to. You, 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 ever, you ever been that person or you ever been on the other side of that conversation where you know that person's not paying attention to you at all because they're just looking for somebody else to connect with that, that can, that, that, that's more important, that can offer them something more than you can? This is what discontentment does to our presence. We're not really present because we're off thinking about something or someone else and what's happening over there. We're so fearful of missing out somewhere else that we miss out on where we're presently at. We miss out on being present with our family and our loved ones and the ones that we care about most because we're, we have a fear of missing out somewhere else and so we're never, we're there but we're not really there. We're spaced out. We're not really having quality conversation. We're not really having quality time because our mind is somewhere else. And if you think about it, most of our reasons for discontentment are based on nothing more than illusions. We think more will make us happier, but often it creates more problems, issues, and complications. More money often creates in us an insatiable desire for even more Money. Once we achieve one level or one stage, we look around and we get bored and then we see people at the level right above us and we get this insatiable desire to make even more money and, and more money is not enough. More people in our church often creates more problems and complications. More power actually creates greater responsibility and complications. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't pursue these things. But we shouldn't pursue them out of an insatiable desire for more or because our identity is tied to these things and our, our sense of self-worth is tied to these things. And, our, 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 and, and it makes us feel more important when we have these things. That's, that should not be the reason that we pursue these things. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 4 through 10, this is Paul speaking. He says this, in everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. Verse 6. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness. 
by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have everything. We own nothing, but we have everything. My goodness. That, to be able to say that right there is more powerful than all the wealth and the fortune and the power and the influence and the popularity in the world. That we can say, even though we have nothing, even though we're in circumstances that are undesirable and difficult and hard, because I have Jesus, I have everything. I have everything that I need because I have my Savior who is strengthening me every step of the way. If your circumstances change, you will feel better for a while, probably. But trust me, you'll find something to gripe about at some point. But true contentment is not connected to circumstances, but connected to our union and intimacy and connection with Jesus. Paul says at the end of this list, of all he's gone through, the most important statement of the passage, having nothing yet possessing everything. You can take everything away from a believer, but you can't take their contentment away. You can take everything, you can strip everything away from a believer, but you can't take their joy away. You can't take their peace away. Strip them of their titles, strip them of their wealth, strip them of their possessions, strip them of everything, but you can't take contentment, the joy, the peace, the things that the Spirit of God put inside of you, can't take those away because they're not connected to our circumstances. Is Jesus your everything or is it Jesus plus something else? If you have a relationship with Jesus, you have everything you could possibly need in this world. When you've learned that the secret to contentment is that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you like Paul did. You can go through seasons of plenty and you won't walk in pride and arrogance. And you can go through seasons without and you won't be crushed and feel worthless. Because your identity and your source of joy is not tied to your circumstances, but it is tied to Christ in you. Christ is your anchor. Christ is is your everything. Christ is the source. You're rooted in Christ, and so the living water is flowing up through you, and that is why you can be content, because it's not connected to your circumstances. Let's pray. Thank you for being with us at TGP NYC. You can listen to other sermons on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are available. For further details about The Grace Place, please visit tgp.nyc.